Bum 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 It's March Madness, and we are here on the Pay to Play Podcast, episode 87. James Edzikowski, Frank Guive, with you here. You know, the Pay to Play Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things sports, finance, and more. But we're going to talk, you know, March basketball. College hoops is in full swing for the postseason, both men's and women's, you know. But the men's brackets, what we'll focus on tonight, because that's where most people are throwing their throwing their dollars, filling out those brackets, and you know, we'll try to give you some takes maybe I haven't heard. Uh, you know, maybe you know, we're not going to be recycling the stuff that everyone's telling you about because what you want to do is be the one that wins your pool by being that guy that goes a little bit different. You know, finds the right right yeah. path. So maybe we'll throw some stats that stick with you, uh, Frank. A little long winded intro there. How have you been doing? I've been doing great, James. Um, happy to be back on the podcast talking with you tonight about one of my favorite times of the year. March Madness, St. Patrick's Day coming up to start the tournament on this Thursday. Uh, well, I guess there's playing games. You know, I don't want to I don't want to forget those. The first four. But, uh, in the first four yeah. yeah, so I can't forget those. But uh, yeah, just looking forward to the next couple of weeks, uh, next few weeks of basketball. It's going to be a lot of a lot of excitement. And I think we have a guest on this episode. Who do we got coming on? We do. We got Patrick Brennan. Uh, you know, I just said from Dayton, Ohio, that's where the first four is. He, he's a graduate of UD. Uh, I don't know if he's ever been to some of those games. Might have to ask him once he hops on the show. But I think he watches more than his fair share of college basketball, just like us. But you're tired of hearing our voices all the time. We want some different perspectives in here. And we're going to listen to some people that know what they're talking about. So he'll come on here in a little bit and we'll discuss. Um, but yeah, Frank, most of this episode is going to be basketball. We'll, we'll toss in a little finance at the end, but uh, we'll, we'll deal with other sports at a later date. Um, that being said, it, you know, glad the MLB finally came to a deal because we will um, be able to talk about baseball shortly after this uh, instead of the lockout, which lasted, I think, 99 days or something like that. But I think that's the extent of the baseball talk I wanted to do. And I don't want to mention <laughs> Tom Brady, uh, but I just did by, by mentioning that. So Brandon Lurch, I, I know you're happy out there somewhere. He's already got, he's already filled out uh, two brackets for our bracket group. So that's a good time to plug our bracket group, Frank. Um, oh, yeah. The pay to play 2022, mad, or pay to play madness 2022 is the name of the group on ESPN. We'll be touting it on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, so feel free to send me a Venmo and I'll send you a much bigger one back if you are correct and in, I think, probably our top 5%. So I think last year we had 50 brackets paid out to the top three uh, with, you know, the first place winning like 80 or 90% of the money, something like that. Um, so it's fun. You know, if, if you're not in a million bracket groups already, toss it our way, $10. And like I said, hopefully I'm the one Venmoing you back. So best of luck to all entrants there. Um, so to yeah, that note, you guys are going to, you guys are going to need it because my bracket looks really good right now. I mean, I, I just filled it out this afternoon, James, and wow, yeah. did I make some good picks? I think, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into more, we'll get into it more with Pat, but, uh, now, yeah. I mean, let's, let me be honest last year, I had Baylor winning and it's funny in all the bracket groups I was in, I won none of them because I was so bad at every other portion of the bracket that, you know, it was the only two in my final four that made it. But I was I, I was right on Baylor, and it still wasn't good enough. I think I finished 89th percentile. Um, that's got to feel pretty tough. How, how'd that feel? It, not great. You know what? It makes me eager to come back out for vengeance this year and say, hey, this time I'm going to get the winner right and some more more games in round one. So I've been listening to other podcasts. I've been listening to you know everyone and their brother about who they think they have, and 
I've dove into the numbers a little bit too. Ken Palm, Bart Torvik, they're going to be Ooh. on my side this year when I'm when I'm slotting up those picks. So, um, yeah. But to that end, you know, you're pretty confident. I'm not that confident. Uh, to that being said, I think this is a year where I filled out my bracket last night after taking an Advil, Advil PM. So I popped one of those bad boys. I was a little sleepy and just did a rough draft. And I laughed at myself because I looked at it this morning in my Sweet 16. I only had seeds one through five. I did not have a single seed over a six. I'm like, wow, uh, Sleepy James really enjoyed uh, the chalk. And so I've been doing a little tinkering, a little revising. At some point, you got to go with your gut, though. You can look at the numbers, analytics all you want. And then, like you said, like, yeah. like I said, if you want to win your pool, you gotta you got to be different in some regard because not everything's predictable. There's never been a perfect bracket. Don't think that's going to change this year. I don't know, James. I was talking about you and I. One of us is gonna want to get. One of us is gonna get lucky that sometime soon we we paid our dues. But I, I do want to, you know, shout out the Cavs as well. Pro team NBA, the Cavs, big win tonight, James. We're we're in the sixth seed right now. You think we can hold on, or you think we're gonna be in the play-in? It's funny, it, you know, they had a game of cushion on the Raptors, who they they beat not too long ago, but they're breathing down their necks, and it's gonna be a tight race to the finish with Chicago and Boston kind of clearing some space ahead of the Cavs uh, in that four or five range. So. It seems like they're going to be on that bubble on on a different type of uh, bubble than some of the other other teams here with March Madness. So uh, it yeah definitely that, worth shouting them out. The East is becoming an interesting race. You'd think Brooklyn will pick it up too eventually. That's, to, that's what know, I'm saying. Yeah, the the Nets are the eight seed right now too with Durant back and looking like a beast. So uh, the Cavs are are probably going to be a bubble team, is my guess. Um, which Only worries me. Time till Ben Simmons suits up too. Once he laces those bad boys up, his. Uh, his LSU Tigers got a six seed this year, uh, but don't know how far they're going to make it. They missed the tournament <laughs> the year he was his one and done, I believe. I think you're right, yeah. Um, but yeah, if the Cavs are at least a seven or eight, though, they'll get a they'll at least get two games in their plan. They just got to go win one of two. If they win the first, they're in. If, they, if not, they get a, a second game. But uh, yeah, I think anything else you want to talk about before we, we dive into our interview and start di- talking March Madness a little bit more? No, I was going to say, I don't think there's too much I want to disclose before we get Pat in here because once, you know, we can share our takes with him as well. Didn't want to double dip on anything and repeat ourselves. So to that end, I think we'll roll into the interview and we'll probably start with some of our favorite matchups and initial takeaways on the bracket. So uh, enough BSing from us. Let's get Pat in here and get rolling. Bum, 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 okay, on that note, we are going to welcome in Patrick Brennan, uh, St. Ignatius and UD alum. I think I got worse with that one than the intro to the episode right there, but uh, you know that, that's that's what you get when I haven't practiced my piano a little bit, uh, so I got to sing it, and so that's, that's how the crowd suffers. So, Pat, uh, welcome aboard. It is March, uh, March 14th, and happy to have you on uh, with, you know, the first four happening tomorrow in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, you know your former former homeland. Do you ever make it out to the first four? Yeah, um, I didn't go first to the first. Off, you... Yeah, I just want to say first off, how you doing, man? Thank you for being on the pod. Oh, we got to introduce him, James. Thank you. Yeah, Frank's, I... Frank's the nice guy today. I'm strictly business. I'm, I'm ready to keep rolling because it is March, and I want I want locks. I want all that stuff. I, but yeah, Pat. I, um, yeah, welcome to the pod. Frank, Frank's right. Hey. Uh, this is the best sports time of the year, right? I mean, you get what sixty-eight games in three weeks, four weeks, not even, and then you just get games for 
four straight days. You just get to sit on the couch for four days and not think about anything. Well, even better for you. So I think what Frank was getting at there, you, you haven't complained about the uh, the torn ACL that you've suffered. Uh, so yeah. you will be lounging on the couch while taking in all the action. Is that yeah. right? I have a little bit of excuse. I don't have to take random days off because I'm quote unquote sick. But yeah, it's <laughs> I'm I'm good. I'll I'll be all right. It's not the end of the world. But... It, it happened while you're on the court. Is that right? Oh uh, yeah, coaching eighth grade basketball. Our coaching. our third oh, last that... practice. Oh no. Yeah. Now that is not the way you want to go down. Uh, we'll we'll be on the lookout to see if any coaches this year. Was it a player's? Was it a player's fault? Was it more your fault? Was it an accident? What, what kind? Of, I, I don't want to like bring up bad memories oh, so no. soon, but um, I mean, I've messed up my ankle, pre- my opposite ankle previously, and they're just saying it was something that was just eventually going to happen. So something was going to happen on my left leg. Who knows what it was going to be? But that's what it ended up having happening being. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let's go back to Zanjo's first question. Have you ever been to any of those playing games in Dayton? I haven't no, but I mean James, you know Bush. We Dayton ended up being the first team out. Yep. Yeah. Right. This, this year they almost got to play oh, the arena. Great segue. It's so terrible. It it that's just so terrible. They were up fifteen, scored nine points in the last twelve minutes of the game. Twelve minutes of the game they scored nine points and lose by what, three or four? And then Richmond stole their spot because they won the tournament. Yeah. Well, we weren't going to bring that up on you, but it seems to have unraveled itself anyways. The Flyers close, but no cigar. And a lot of people saying, oh, they didn't deserve that. I mean, they had a pretty good resume. They took down Kansas earlier in the year, a one seed. Um, if you look at, you know, a lot of the metrics, they'd say, oh, they were on the bubble, but probably should have been on the wrong side of it. Um, I, everyone clamors Texas A&M is probably the one team that kind of got shafted as they made the SEC championship game only to lose double digits to Tennessee. Uh, but I think Dayton was right. I feel like any team on the bubble that ends up on the wrong side of it, you you know, I've heard this and it's kind of a recycled phrase. You know, they had something to do about it and they just didn't get that one thing to convince people. But I, I there's really nothing that I'm too upset to disagree with. I thought Michigan probably should have been in. The, they should have had to do a play-in game. Um, and that's kind of a recycled take, too, that they shouldn't make 16 seeds or automatic qualifiers play against each other. But I'm not here to debate that. I'm not, uh, you know, the head of the NCAA it's not my business, but is what it is. Um, so, yeah, we have first four Tuesday, Wednesday. And I, what I wanted to start off with, Pat, is we're just going to get initial takeaways from the bracket, some of those matchups that we'll, we will find intriguing Thursday, Friday. Um, you know, for the casual basketball fan, and myself included, I don't think many people watch much Murray State or San Francisco. I'm just going to start off with this one, but then feel free to either run on this or give one that intrigues you even more. I think Murray State versus San Fran – a 7-10 matchup. I think that one has a potential to be a really good game. The Murray State Racers 30 and 2 entering the se- or entering the postseason. Um and then San Fran, I think finished what third in the um West Coast Conference and they you know, they were a team that competed with Gonzaga a number of times lost, but you know, I think they have kind of the perimeter shooting that could contend with the Murray State and then the winner of that matchup presumably will get Kentucky. So my eyes will be on that matchup for sure. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I that I have another whole tangent where they shouldn't be putting these at-large bids teams, especially teams that are outside of the Power Five, playing against each other because I'd rather see them playing a Power Five. Sure. There's always the talk of the Power Five or Power Six just being better than everybody, right? Well, 
why don't you put these teams that are higher up on the bubble as the 710 to be playing a Texas, playing a Michigan, which I mean, we're seeing it in Colorado State. But they get Michigan, yep. Give us something else here that we can at least see it. Um, and you got you got USC and Miami, a seven versus ten. Yeah, you, know? you could just and flip flop them. Flip flop like, those, and it'd be you know awesome. But it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I mean that game specifically, I I just like how San Francisco has been playing like continuously throughout the season, right? Because you're always looking for teams that are playing better as like down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, They've played Gonzaga three times. They've consistently gotten better against Gonzaga every single game. You go through, and they lost by twenty or sixteen in the one game. They lost by sixteen in the next game, and then they lost by ten in the in the conference tournament, right? And then they have uh, Jameer Buya, who, I mean, he can just flat out score, and he can and he can score on anybody really. And at the guard position, you look for you look for guards that can just keep the ball, right? I mean, once mm-hmm. it's late late game situations, the team that doesn't mess up more more often than not wins the game because they don't just give the ball away. Sure. Any other games you want to highlight that really caught your? That, I mean, that was me. Just one that I'll be intrigued as as a fan. I personally have Murray State. It's tough to go against the winning streak, but I think San Fran. Either of those games is going to put either of those teams could pose a tough test for Kentucky. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I have San Fran in that one. Um, I mean, I, do we bring it up? We could bring it up early in the Colorado State-Michigan game. That's the first game out Thursday. Sure. I mean, you know I have Colorado You know I have Colorado State from the beginning of the season. But if you look at it uh, and you look at the odds, they're my, Michigan's minus two and a half coming out. Yep. Um, if you go dig deeper, the game's being played in Indianapolis, which, okay, Michigan's the lower seed. Why are they playing – a couple hours away and yeah. it's be playing being played at noon colorado state has to wake up at technically 10 o'clock in the morning to play this game it's the first first game on thursday that's right yeah it's just let's let's just make it better for michigan here hmm. yeah there, there's something to be said about that <laughs> so, so what are you taking there i i actually have michigan going to the sweet 16 i think they they can beat Colorado State and then Tennessee. Uh, but but I, I, it sounds like you like Colorado State, but it sounds like you think the odds are kind of being stacked against them here. Yeah, Colorado State's such a weird team. Like they have some problems with San Diego or, or yeah, San Diego State. I you can't I can't tell you why. I, it makes no sense. San Diego State has a really good defense, but Colorado State's also beaten Boise State, which also has another top defense in the nation. So they show up for one game and don't show up for the other. But I mean, I my my biggest questions on teams are Tennessee and Auburn. I don't know what to think of either of those teams. Which I'm trying to ask. I, I what do you what do you have on Tennessee? I guess James, anything? I've got Tennessee faltering to Villanova. I do have them advanced. I have Colorado State, Tennessee, and then I've got Villanova just going there, being the more disciplined, more experienced team. That being said, I. I just wanted to get a little bit better sense of Rick Barnes in the tournament. You know, what, what has he done with his teams? I, I tend to look at that aspect a little bit, you know, how have coaches fared in, in the tournament in the past. And um, Rick Barnes is a team, a, a guy that's been uh, with Tennessee. You know, he was at Texas and I didn't even realize this till I got into the numbers on it. Uh, he was at Texas from 1999 to 2015. I, I did not know that <laughs> for, I, for that long. I followed Texas, you know, I, I can't say I, college basketball back then like I did now coach KD 
Yeah, I mean, he was there for a while, and he took Texas to the Elite Eight twice in 06 and 08. Um, but besides that, he has not survived uh, the first weekend, um, with the exception of the Tennessee team in 2019 when he took him to the Sweet 16. Um, so to that end, I think that um, Rick Barnes is a coach. He's probably battle-tested enough, but I like Jay Wright in that matchup. Um, that being said, like I said, I have Colorado State taking down Michigan despite those odds that they kind of stacked against them, like you said. Uh, but, but there's something to be said for the way that the betting markets are kind of treating Michigan. I guess the way the NCAA treated them, saying a 17-14 and 14 record, you don't have to play in. You know, you, you got a bid. You weren't one of the last four in. Um, and like you said, the, the favorability time-wise and uh, geographically, um, I also heard on another podcast, the Eyes on College Hoops, I think it's a CBS one with Gary Parrish and some other people, they said to win the region, Michigan was plus 2,000 and Colorado State was plus 4,000. And does that make a ton of sense when it's a two and a half point spread in the first game and then you got the same opponents, you know, the same path the rest of the way? To me, that just screams there's more value on Colorado State. But I think that's speaking of the respect of Michigan and just the battle-testedness of the Big Ten. But that's not, you know, the Mountain West shouldn't be overlooked. They got four teams in this year. To that end, I think it that should be a really good game to start off the tournament, you know, for lack of a better term. I know the first four kicks it off. But Thursday afternoon, man, take a long lunch break and watch all you can of that one. Um, because I think that will be David Roddy for Colorado State and Pat, to clarify what you had for our listeners, yeah, you took you thought they had a chance to make a run deep in March, you know, preseason. You you said, I, I hey, I like their future value. Took them to win the whole thing, and you know, with the intention to hedge against them if if they were to advance, you know, past probably that first weekend or so. So I think they have the possibility to Tennessee coming in hot, winning the SEC championship. Um, but like I said, there, I, I don't, you know, Rick Barnes has had a shaky past, and they have. Uh, Vescovi, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but Vescovi, I think it's Vescovi. I think I screwed that one up, but there's got a couple of guys, John Fulkerson, boy, I, you know, if he's not, he's not playing on your side. You kind of hate him, but he's You're... one of those guys that you love as a scrappy guy on your team. Um, sheesh. I... You're, you're sliding Villanova right by Ohio state. And, uh, <laughs> like, it's this is your guys' there. territory. Yeah. You know, I Chris Holtman's good with his one win and out. He up until last year when Oral Roberts took him down early. Uh, Frank, you and I were digging into this. He has not made the Sweet 16 since his final year at Butler, but he's pretty good with you know getting his one win and hopping out of you know jumping jumping out of harm's way. You know, I think EJ Liddell can really lead the team to to make a little run here. I I have the Buckeyes going to the Elite Eight, losing there. Wow, <laughs> wow. Here's the thing, because they're underdogs against Loyola Chicago by a point, point yeah, and a half. One, one point. And I think they're going to come out a little bit angry because he remembers that loss last year. Kyle Young coming off the concussion. He remember. well, he didn't play last year in that game against Oral Roberts. People forget that. So he'll be eager to get back to uh, the floor. And then you got Malachi Branham, who is the X factor. If he plays like he did in some of the games deeper into the Big Ten schedule, yeah, they're going to beat Loyola Chicago and they're going to pose problems for Villanova. But it's been so inconsistent all season long. You know, they do lose to a Nebraska. They, you know, beat a Duke. You know, it, they, they really do have the potential to, to go as far as those those two carry them. Um, but, I, you know, if Jimmy Sotos is your backup point guard and you're relying on him to provide depth, I, I can't justify going to the Elite Eight there. So, yeah, I think, 
there there's a lot of first round games that I just like snap my fingers and I'm like these this will be the winner. But once you get the second round, there's some like marquee games if everything goes your way that could just be set up and just be amazing games. Like yeah. I I I have I mean anybody who's talked to me knows that I hate Providence. I just think <laughs> they're overrated. They just play way too many close games and it it just I mean everybody says luck, but it's it everybody regresses back to the mean at some point. And I mean they have yeah. San Diego they have, they have South Dakota State who has what a top 20 offense in the nation. I mean yeah. if, if if they can score on Providence and win and I mean I think Iowa is just going to beat Richmond. That game of of South Dakota State and Iowa might be one of the greatest like games this year. I talk about pace. Just bet the over and watch oh, watch the money roll in with what, those baskets. The over under might be one hundred and sixty. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and just to your point on Providence and luck, Ken Palm hat. You know, Ken Palm has a luck rating, and Providence is number one with room to spare uh, over the next team in the tournament, <laughs> like significantly. Um, higher up, but that goes to show the job Ed Cooley's done coaching them this year to win those close games, but at the same time, the ball has bounced their way more than a fair share, so you probably would expect some regression there, and South Dakota State's a team that absolutely could do it. Um, so, so so Providence is a four seed. Do, do you see any one to three seeds that you know maybe maybe you think might be upset if you, if you had to take a pick on who could be upset in the first round? High seed. We've we've had it happen now a lot in the past. I mean, yeah, I only had a one seed do it. We've had two seeds many times now in the past few years. Yeah, I mean, I obviously no number ones. I mean, if you want to throw a number one out there, it'll be it'll be that Peter Kiss goes nuclear for Bryant for Bryant. That's like the only way for a one seed loses. Um, I don't know. Like the threes with Texas Tech and Tennessee, their defenses are just so good and they're just so long. I don't see the. 13 or the 14 seeds beating them um had like does yale just run a perfect offense against purdue and just like blows painter's mind and just like <laughs> they just win by three points just like you could see the you could just see the guy for yale just throwing it up from like the what i i call the volleyball line but like halfway through the logo <laughs> and they win the game um i mean Matt everybody painter's talks about been... Sorry, not just to butt in there. Matt Painter's never been perfect in March. He's one of those guys that prone to a slip up, and Purdue's defense has been their question mark all season long. They have one of the best offenses. So, yeah, it would take a perfect offense from Yale. I, I don't see that happening. And to your first point, Wisconsin, the only question with them against Colgate is Johnny Davis's ankle. Is it okay? Yeah. And, you know, Colgate was up last year on Arkansas round one, and they blew the game at the end. So Colgate returning some guys from that team – Hmm. Are they a little upset? I, I don't see that happening either because Wisconsin playing in Milwaukee, so they'll have the home backing there. Sorry yeah, to cut you off. Back oh, no. I, I I mean, I agree. I think everything that I've read kind of agrees that, like, Wisconsin is that one game pretty much just because of the injury. I mean, I if he plays, I don't see why they have that much of a problem. At late game, you could just go to him over and over and over again, and he should be able to produce. Okay. Let's let me throw a couple. Let's do a rapid fire to wrap up this part of it, and let me throw some matchups at you. Give me a a pick, quick justification if you can. Um, so I, you know, a lot of people have said, oh, you know, North Carolina could pose a problem for Baylor, um, but that's they got to get through a Marquette team that's been up and down with Shaka Smart. Who do you have in Marquette, North Carolina? Um, 
I have North Carolina because I also have North Carolina beating Baylor. You do? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the one factor is do the Texas fans show up for soccer for Shaka Smart because that game is being played in Texas. Yeah. And I, I mean, do the people hate him? He might be getting booed in in the stadium if enough people hate him in Texas now. But Point. I don't know. I I think Baycott like. It's kind of the Big East. The Big East, they they can shoot. Like you look at Creighton, you look at Marquette. Like you look back to Marcus Howard at Marquette, right? They they're shooters. I like what's Baycott gonna do against Marquette? He might just go crazy down low, just clean the boards, and just yep. no second chance, no second chance buckets. Fair enough. And I could see a world where that happens. I I want the heels to beat Baylor. I'm not so certain it happens, but I don't think this is obviously not the same Baylor team as last year. They have injury problems. I think they're the one seed that's probably most prone to go down fairly early. Arizona has injury problems of their own, but they've they've been the most consistent team all year. Um, but let's move along to another matchup. You mentioned Texas. Um, so they've obviously replaced Chaka Smart with Chris Beard, and they get the red-hot Virginia Tech from the ACC. Frank, I want your opinion here, too, after Pats. Um, Texas, the sixth seed, been shaky on the season, have a couple good wins to their name. Virginia Tech steamrolling through the ACC, taking down the Tobacco Road Twins, UNC and Duke back to back. Uh, yeah, I mean, Texas is Texas, right? It's what everybody says. Big game. Yep. They go out there, play a little bit, and you can most likely bet that they're going to lose. Um, I mean, James, you know, I'm I'm the analy- I'm the analytical guy. Virginia yep. Tech's the Ken Palm advanced metric darling of the tournament. Sure. They. They just play efficient, and if you if you look at what my notes are, I like teams that play with tempo, and I like teams that play efficient. That and I think that's Virginia Tech to a T. There's there's something to be said about a team improving at the right time. Uh, you think back to teams that have won conference tournaments in the past. I think Dana Altman in Oregon, and you know they get in there as one of those high seeds, whether they're in the play-in game or they're you know just a straight eleven or twelve, and they come in with that momentum. It usually you know, the storyline is at least that it carries over. So I, I see Virginia Tech maybe yeah. posing a problem for Purdue even in that next round. So yeah, I mean, Kemba Walker and UConn, they, they ran through their tournament um, and then, you know, kind of rode that momentum right into the NCAA tournament. So uh, I, I like the Virginia Tech pick as well. I have them at least advancing, but I do have Purdue beating in the next round. Yeah, yeah. look at look at Oregon State last year. That, that'd be like, yeah, well said. that's number one. How about this? This is a team that's that's up there as well, kind of in that area, um, just right above that Texas Virginia Tech game. Um, UCLA Akron. Do you think UCLA can make another run like they did last year? Or are they are they not the real deal this year? James, if you want to, if you want to run at it first, um, I think they could, but I I don't really want to make a run. I don't have a strong opinion. I have them going to the Sweet Sixteen. Um, and that matchup, I, I have it against Baylor. I'm still tinkering. I, I think you see, I have Purdue coming out of that region. You know, spoiler. Okay. Uh, we're going to do Final Fours here in a little bit, but I have Purdue taken down, whether it's UCLA or Baylor. I, I think Matt Painter is sick of the narrative. And I think probably Kentucky is going to be maybe the most popular pick. And we told, that's what we said. We kind of want to give the contrarian view in, in this podcast because you the way you're going to win your bracket pool is by being a little different than the common man. And I think... Kentucky might be the most commonly picked team to make the final four out of this region. I could be wrong, but that's, that's my presumption. Yeah. Um, I have, uh, I mean, you gave Purdue. I mean, I have UCLA. 
I, I you do okay yeah i i don't see how you don't take them right because they who do they not have from last year at least scoring wise and just like production like late game they have three guys they can go to late game they can all score they can all play one-on-one they can all you have your best defender on on say tiger campbell at some point just because of a switch or whatever yeah well they can they can go to jamie uh what yakez I, Pacas, I don't Pacas, watch a lot yeah. don't watch a lot of pac 12 but uh i mean you could go you could just move the ball to him like they just i think they have too much scoring i think they have the experience they have the pedigree i mean i that game last last march that all-time game against gonzaga you can just go toe-to-toe with anybody sure okay fair enough one last game i want to highlight and then I, I do want to highlight what's your least favorite game on the schedule, but Iowa versus Richmond. You know, you mentioned Richmond broke the hearts of Flyers fans. Uh, they get a red-hot Iowa team that comes off winning the Big Ten tournament. to so five versus 12, and Iowa's favored by almost 10 points in the matchup. Uh, but can Richmond, you know, keep that – can they carve out a performance to keep that running? Uh, I know Iowa's going to be probably one of the hotter picks rolling on that same concept of momentum going into going into March. Um, yeah, I mean, you're going to hear a lot of stuff, like you're going to hear a lot, hear a lot of the analysts talk about Keegan Murray. I mean, he, in the big 10, in the big 10 tournament, he just put up the most points in a single tournament ever. I mean, if you watched any of those games against Purdue, um, I can't even remember against Indiana, right. Or somebody, Illinois. he he was just on, he was just on fire and it it was actually kind of crazy. The commentator was on just on point. He was just like, you have to get the ball to him. They get the ball to him, and you just pull. And, sure. I mean, and then you have Bohannon, right? S- Six-year senior. He, had, he has the red shirt, and then he has the extra year because of COVID. But, uh, I mean, they're almost one of the more ideal teams that you want in the tournament. They have the experience. They have that star power player that you just know that you can go to. I mean, the Richmond-Io game, I think that they can just outscore Richmond, which – you could take for a decent amount of these games. Sure. Fair enough. My, my big gripe with them is Fran McCaffrey has never made it out of the first weekend of, of March. So will, you know, does he have the standing power to do that? And the three fourteen on the other side is or 14 or 13, four on the other side is that Providence South Dakota state game. We talked about Frank, I'm going to dish it over to you. I know there's a team that you like um, also a big 10 guy. Uh, but they, they were the team that lost to Iowa in that championship. I think you like Illinois a little bit. Um, so about them in their first round matchup, they get um, a Chattanooga team, the mocks that won on maybe one of the most insane buzzer beaters ever uh, to, to clinch a spot to March. I mean, they, it was one of those things that, you know, they'll write stories about and they come in. Are they just happy to be there? I, I know you have Illinois going pretty far, so you think so that they're going to kind of steamroll them on Friday. I mean, I just like the I, I, Illinois brought a lot of talent back. They lost to Sumu, but they they basically brought back the rest of their talent. And um, I, I like that they kind of disappointed last year. I think that the, the guys this year are going to you know step up this time of the year, even though they let down in the Big Ten tournament as well. And that was going to be my pushback to you on Iowa. I mean, I don't think McCaffrey's ever won a Big Ten tournament title, and so he just did that. So I, I think he does have some momentum, and I like the Hawkeyes to to make a big run as well. But uh, I think we should should move on here. And Pat, I, the this next question is for each of us, honestly. But Pat, what is the, you, you talked about? Uh, what did you talk about just a minute ago? Keegan um, Murray from Iowa. 
Now, South Dakota State a little bit ago, oh, and you yeah. think they're going to beat Providence. Is there any other double-digit seed that you're a big fan of? I want to know everyone's favorite <laughs> double-digit seed and who they think can maybe make a Cinderella run to the Final Four or Elite Eight. Um, I mean, I Virginia Tech, I that's like the one team that sticks out like a sore thumb out of anybody. Um, just because of the, I mean, we talked about the analytics already. Um, would you, then, would you consider Michigan a Cinderella if they made I, a run as an 11 that, seed? I have it marked down. Like, I think I'm going to take Michigan in the end. Just, I, I, it's just my getting, yeah. I know I watched the game. I know I'm going to watch Colorado state lose. That's just in my mind. That's just ingrained in my mind. <laughs> I'm going to want them to win. And Michigan goes out and wins by 10. Like that's just going to happen. But like you said, there are power five who they're pretty inconsistent. Right. But if they win against Tennessee, will people be talking about them? Like the Cinderella teams of Oregon state last year. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I James, you got any double-digit seeds or maybe eight or nines that you think can make a run? Yeah, yeah. First, first up, quick hand up moment there. I think I was a bit of an idiot. I said, "Oh yeah, Illinois is in the Big Ten championship." No, that was last year. That was Purdue that lost to Iowa in the championship. So, little we like accountability on this podcast, <laughs> and I I messed up big time right there. So, moving onward, a double-digit team I think could surprise people. Um, I think maybe the University of Miami, uh, the Florida Hurricanes, get USC first round. This is not the same USC team that from last year that went to the Elite Eight, was it, with Evan Mobley? They yeah. still have Isaiah Mobley, but they're very inconsistent. Drew Peterson uh, is probably one of those guys on that USC team that if they're going to advance, he'd be the guy they'd go to. Jim Laranega, all he's done in the tournament in his career has gone 9-8, and eight, so he does have a winning record lifetime in the tournament. Uh, that being said, uh, do I have a ton more information on that? Honestly, no. It's kind of more of a premonition feeling that uh, Auburn is not the strongest two seed. I mean, they have a very high ceiling with Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler in their front court. Not a huge fan of their guard play. So I just think Miami, the Hurricanes, take down USC and then maybe pose a problem for Auburn. I do have Auburn winning that game as of right now. But I, I want to see, I think um, that, that Hurricanes team has some firepower to them. Um, so I, I'm looking at that that spot right there. I like it. I like it. I really, I really don't like any double digit teams to make too big of a run. I, I think Virginia Tech or, or Michigan would make sense. Um, but like, I don't think of them as Cinderella's. I mean, Virginia Tech definitely would be, but I don't think of Michigan as a Cinderella personally. Fair yeah. Enough. I, I think if you break it down, like it's like, since we've had so many of in the, like the analytics are just getting so good. And a lot of people are getting more into recency bias. Like I'm sure if you go back, you see like, a lot of these Cinderella teams just strung a bunch of wins together and just kept it moving. Yeah. Instead of like these teams that come in winning some games, losing some games, become at large bids and then just move along. I mean, Michigan would be the one team that like separates from that pack. But yeah. So, so next question is, is who do you think, you know, you talked about Keegan Murray as being a difference maker for Iowa. Who do you think is, is a favorite player of yours to maybe make a name for themselves this tournament? You know, we've seen big names pop up on guys that, you know, have 25 plus point performances back to back or something on the opening weekend. Who do you think that could be? Um, I mean, James kind of mentioned him before. I mean, Johnny Davis. I mean, if Johnny Davis goes out there and has been the Johnny Davis that Wisconsin needs in late games, especially, you'll you'll see something special. Like, like it could be 30 back to back. I mean, and 
you just need them to be there to play, right? Just be healthy. And that's what all Wisconsin needs. Cause I think they can kind of beat either LSU or, or Iowa state. Cause Iowa, the, both those teams just need turnovers and Wisconsin keeps the ball more better than almost anybody in the country. Okay. Frank throwing it right back at you. Who you, who, who are you excited for? I think EJ Liddell is going to put up 30 points a game the opening weekend. I think he's going to be huge, and he's he's finding a way into the Sweet 16. Love it. Short, sweet, concise. No homer. No homer. <laughs> no, not a homer at all. <laughs> yeah, not a, a no chance, good. apparently. No, good stuff. Uh, for me, it's Memphis and Jalen Duran. Uh, you know, he came in as a very high prospect, uh, him and Amani Bates, but Bates has not been with the team for a while, but Duran's been the guy that, has been the rock and helped turn their season around is there's a point in which they weren't going to make the, you know, the NCAA tournament and they've fought, they've fought hard. They beat Houston two out of three times losing the AAC championship to them. But I think they pose a problem for Boise state who likes to play at a slow pace and Memphis can get out and run and transition a little bit. I think they win that nine, eight matchup. And I think that's where you see Gonzaga get their first test in this tournament. I think that comes as soon as that second game, Jalen Duran has the height to contend with, Holmgren. Now, be it, it'd be nice if they had Bates, another another body to throw at Holmgren and Timmy, uh, but they have some depth on that roster, and I think it's something like three or four McDonald's All-Americans. The talent's there. Yeah, it's uh, it's an, it's an, it, that team's insane, just how much talent is there. They're coming in the second half of this season. They have been among the, you talk analytics, um, Bart Torvik and Ken Palm themselves both have Memphis and is, I think, a top 20 team, and so it's now, they have a chance to really give Gonzaga a scare. Their shooting is not as great, um, but I, I think that's one of those teams that Jalen Duran's going to lead and maybe maybe cause some problems. So that's the guy I'm looking forward to. I also just, back to one other earlier point, I know I've gone on a tangent a couple of times. I mentioned Jim Laranaga's record. We talked about Iowa a little bit. Fran McCaffrey, 6-8 and eight in his tournament uh, career. Um, just looking at a couple different coaches who has fared well. We, we were talking about Virginia Tech. You know, they're kind of the analytics darling. Chris Beard, though, now coaching at Texas, he's 10-4 and four lifetime in the tournament. Obviously, a lot of those wins coming with that Texas Tech squad that rolled um, to, we'll to the championship. Virginia. Yeah. But that being said, you know, he's a guy that's seen success there. And uh, it should be, um, you know, well-documented that he's a good coach in March. Tom Izzo, uh, 46 to 19 in March. They always say, you know, just take out Izzo, replace it with, take out March and replace it with Izzo. Just, I, I, I got a good kick out of looking at some of these records historically. Um, but, okay, that was the end of my point there. Let's let's keep it rolling. I, um, I, I will throw one point out there. I know it's chalk, but if it's, the, if it's a Wisconsin-Auburn game and you get to see Johnny Davis versus Jabari Smith, I mean, that could just be a possibility for – that's just moving around for the NBA draft. That that'd be an NBA scouts like dream game. You get to yeah. see two top prospects playing against each other. That'll be appointment television, as they call it. I agree. Um, sorry, we we highlighted some players. We've highlighted some coaches. Uh, I think one of the last things we wanted to do, Pat, talk about the final four. Um, you know, who's in yours, and where do we think um, things are gonna play out here so everyone give their final four we're going to wrap up here um 30 minutes we've been on the clock we're trying to make it a little shorter than your average podcast went a little over our projected time but not by not by much uh also quickly want to throw out there longest active ncaa tournament streaks because i'm going to go ahead and go first and then dish it to you guys the selfish man that i am i've got kansas i've got villanova i've got purdue and i've got gonzaga 
So the reason I've got Kansas, they have the longest active NCAA tournament streak. They've been to 32 straight brackets. Uh, so next behind them is Michigan State with 24, um, Gonzaga with 23, and then UNC is the only other one in double digits with 11 11 straight. So Villanova with nine, Purdue with seven, Michigan with six. That's kind of the way that unfolds. So I've taken Kansas, Villanova, Purdue, and Gonzaga. All of them on that list. All of them are in my final four. I'm going with experience and continued winning tradition. Hard um, to beat that argument when I drop a bomb like that on you guys. But <laughs> that being said, uh, Gonzaga and Purdue have choked quite a bit in their tournament uh, tournament histories. So, uh, Frank, I'll throw it your way, and then then we'll let Pat weigh in with his. I also have Gonzaga and Purdue on the on the west and east. Um, and then the South and the Midwest, South High, like Illinois. Um, I, I, I have them beating Arizona uh, in the Sweet 16 and then beating Ohio State in the Elite Eight. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I like the team they have. I like their two guards. Um, and I think, uh, I just, I think they're going to make a run finally. Um, I have Iowa as well. That's my fourth team. So I'm Big Ten heavy, three Big Ten teams in the Final Four. Um, not a, not a homer because Ohio State's not in, but uh, yeah, they're only in the elite eight. You're yeah, right. only in the elite eight. <laughs> only, only that only. one there. <laughs> so yeah, I'm heavy on the 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 Big Ten of this tournament. I have five Big Ten teams in the elite eight, three in the three in the final four. What what are you looking at, Pat? Um, James said he's going with experience. I I like to fill the bracket. I mean, I don't have every single game filled out. Stuff goes fifty fifty every every hour if I'm looking at it, but. <laughs> I, I like to go back kind of how James does, where you're looking at the previous bracket because you have juniors becoming seniors, you have freshmen becoming sophomores, whatever. And I have three out of the three out of the four uh, final four teams from last year. I have Gonzaga, I have Gonzaga, Gonzaga out of the West. Um, the, I just think the West is a gauntlet, but I just think I've told James I think Gonzaga is just the best team in the country. They just have the most length. Yeah, and if you can just play, if you can play inside out, and just yeah. take it to people's bigs with multiple bigs, who, who I, I guess who's the MVP of the team in this tournament? That's that's a good prediction. Is it Timmy or is it Holmgren? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, if you're looking at it from an offensive perspective, you might take Timmy. If you're looking at it as an entire whole, I think you take Holmgren because he can get six or seven blocks in the game compared to Timmy. Timmy's not as active on defense. Obviously, he can hold his own, but. Chet just can fly on anybody and just yeah. and just defend the rim. Um, then what? I got. I'll just move to the right. I'll go south. Um, I have Houston out of the south. As I said, I have three out of the four. That game's a toss up. I have Houston beating Arizona. I yeah. if somebody told me they have Arizona over Houston, what am I going to say? I can't like Hard two to high that one either two, way. Yeah, yep. the two high powered offenses, but. I think both of those teams are deeper than Villanova. And as the game goes on, I think they can just wear Villanova down, especially if Villanova gets into foul trouble. Um, if you move to the East, I already said UCLA. That's just pure experience. I I just think they have too much firepower to beat anybody. And I also think I, I think the East is might be the bracket where the, the section of the bracket where anything can happen. I, I mean, James, you have Purdue, right? I, if they put a hundred on everybody, which they have the opportunity to do and they have the ability to do, they'll make it right. Um, 
And then if you go to the Midwest, I also have Iowa. Uh, if if you look at if you look at the teams that I have, I love offense. I love high tempo. I love offense. You can score on anybody. They got to score with you if you can play at your own tempo. Fair enough. No, I think that's pretty fair. All right. I last last thing before I let you go here, Pat. Um, well, maybe second last, but out of those final four, give me your champion. Don't need an explanation behind it because, like you said, you could get arguments either way. But who do you got taking it all? Um, I've got Gonzaga. I, I think Few finally gets his finally gets his national championship. It, it's probably been a long time coming. You, mm-hmm. how many times they've made it deep? A couple baskets go in. A couple baskets don't get go in. He he might have a couple more previously, but you have t- like like you said, you have you have Timmy backing up the team. You have possibly the number one overall draft pick in Chet. I like the two big guys to take it. Fair enough, Frank. I I'm right there with Pat. Um, I, I I struggle with not take Gonzaga to win it all. Fair enough. Mark Few, 36 and 21 all time in the tournament. Uh, <laughs> after the, the last one bothered him so much, he did, you know, he had a little little legal trouble, but he's back. Just, uh, <laughs> I, you know, that, that's, I shouldn't make that joke. That's not a joking matter. Um, but sure enough, yeah, it's hard to pick against him, but I did. I t- I'm taking the Kansas Jayhawks. I'm going with Bill Self and his 48 and 20 record. Um, I, I think they have. Some depth there, yeah. I, yeah. I'll shut up about the coaches' records. Who really cares? It's, it's a new season. Hey, the players uh, play. Thinking, the players play, James. Come you're, on, you're damn right. That's why they play the games. People like me sit, sit and drown beverages and eat food that adds to my waistline. So that's that's about how that goes. So that being said, um, it's I'd be wrong to not acknowledge it's Coach K's last. And boy, can I not wait because that storyline is so beat to the death. Uh, I would love, and I, I think. I think everyone in the NCAA wants this to happen. A lot of people probably have seen it too much, but Coach K versus Izzo uh, in that second round game, if Michigan State manages to get by Davidson, Pat's waving his finger. He's got he's got the Wildcats, Davidson Wildcats, taking down the Spartans round one. I I don't disagree with that. I watched Davidson play Richmond in that final game of the A10, pretty close. But I I just know the NCAA salivating at the mouth with the thought of. Izzo versus Coach K one more time uh, this upcoming weekend. So Davidson definitely a, a worthy opponent, and I think very well could take him down. That spread's only like one or two. Yeah, I'm glad it took us 45 minutes to talk about Duke. Yep. That's all I'm I got to say about that. Yeah, I think it's the only time their name was mentioned, so that's good. All right. Pat, thanks for joining us on. I don't know if there's anything else we missed with you, but I think we covered just about as much as we could in a in an abbreviated time span. So. That being said, appreciate you and all your research. Good luck with your brackets. Uh, we know you'll be in our pool and definitely will be in chats throughout the tournament. Yeah, Frank, James, appreciate appreciate you having me on. Uh, longtime listener. The reason I moved to Spotify to listen to podcasts, that's for sure. Let's go. If that, give, if that, if that gives you any hint of how long it's been. Um, Much appreciated. Hey, I can't wait to watch some basketball. Hell yeah. Appreciate Looking you. forward to it. Thank you so much, Pat. This was awesome. For sure. All right. Appreciate Pat coming on with us. Frank taking a sip of his Michelob Ultra here on this Monday night. He's on spring break. We're ready to wrap this podcast up for you. And uh, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, action is almost upon us. Uh, with Thursday at 12.15 p.m. being our first tip, Colorado, Michigan, Colorado State, Michigan, like we mentioned. 
Uh, we're not too far away, but Frank, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up some financial aspect uh, of the tournament. You talked about action. There's been a lot of action in the equity markets lately. Um, yeah, obviously a lot, a lot going on geopolitically right now. Uh, James and I are in no, no professional expertise to talk about it. So we're we're not going to talk about the Russia Ukraine situation much at all. But we are going to talk about. Except we're praying for peace. Except we yes, are praying for peace. Yes, definitely praying for peace. Um, yeah, it's it's a crazy world that we live in, James. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we're we're just trying to look at the light, lighter side of things, and we're going to talk about diversifying brackets and and what we think about that. You know, you talk about diversification and in, in investing, um, investing in multiple different assets or multiple different you know asset classes, even to uh, you know just basically de-risk some of your returns, um, you know, create some different correlations across your portfolio. But let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about bracket diversification, James. You're laughing at me here a little. No, I uh, think financial, financial diversification is maybe one of the best lessons to learn in finance, but I still don't do it. Uh, and that applies start, to my bracket I mean, as well. I think diversification is overrated to a certain extent, though. I think you really only need 10 assets at an even weighting to be really well diversified in a way. Um, but that's just, wow. that's my, that's my debate. Wow, let's, a hard hitting opinion of a guy. Well, in but, now, but now let's talk about our, our thoughts on bracket diversification. Do you think it, do you think like, do you like making multiple brackets that have different winners or like different, you know, you kind of pick some more upsets in one of them. What, what do you like doing that? Do you like pay, like putting those into like paid bracket groups kind of, or what? what's your thoughts on bracket diversification? Look, it would be smart to do that. It really would because it gives you more chances to say, like, if with all the, you know, if this happens, this happens. Like, yeah, it gives you a better chance to, I guess, return positive, like, positive EV, um, you know, expected value. I guess it could. But to that end, it's like, I hate listening to the guy like, oh, in my one bracket, I have this happening. It's like, how many brackets do you have, bro? Like, it's like, which one do you actually believe? Like, did you just fill it out to have these different scenarios to account for them? Or did you actually, like, you can't have any, um, you know, you can't be the guy, I hate to say it, the water cooler, but like, oh, you predicted that upset? Uh, in And how many of your brackets did you do that? You know, just do one. I, I'm a big fan of do one bracket, do what you believe is going to happen, you know, have some fun with it and stick to that. I personally, I actually do fill out a second and it's just for my own curiosity. And I look at what percentage or percentile it ends every year. I pick exactly what I would want to happen for every for any personal reason whatsoever. Like I grew up loving Memphis. I have this one bracket. I've got a final four of Memphis, UNC, Ohio State. Uh, I forget <laughs> the fourth team, but I got Ohio State beating UNC in the title game because I was See, that's a, they both made it. That's so, a good second bracket, but, and you're, yeah, but you're, not entering, you're not entering that to win money. No, I just do that, track it on the side. I enter one bracket in every different group to win money. Like I said last year, I had Baylor to win. And had I had a couple different brackets with them to win, yeah, maybe I win some dollars. But at the end of the day, I stuck to what I believed in, and it was not good enough. And I I went to sleep knowing that, and I slept every year thinking, hey, once March comes around again, coming back for my vengeance. So I don't. What's your What's your belief system on it? Yeah, I think I think we can make the statement now as a, as a podcast, we are against bracket diversification. Um, I agree wow. that 
Take a stand. I love it. We're taking a stand. I agree that uh, you should have one one main bracket that you're entering to win money, one champion. Maybe if you're entering it into like two or three different money pools, you can change a few different upsets in the first round. But like, I think your final four should be the same kind of consistent. I think you just got to take a stand on that. And and people that don't do it and then win a bracket, I, I think a little bit less of you. I just want to say that right now. Yep. Um, if you're putting in three brackets into one, you know, one bracket challenge and and you win one of them. I'm just not that impressed. You know, you you really didn't didn't beat me. You beat me three times to one. You know, I don't know. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting heated about this, I guess. But uh, yeah, give you. I'll give you a little pat on the back, and uh, you know, if I'm the one paying you, if you do that, we allowed a max of two brackets in our group. Lurch already well, created two. I also think financially, it actually might be worse to enter more because, like, technically, you're probably going to lose. Like, there's just a lot of people yeah. entering. The odds are against you to win. It's tough to predict the college, but like, 68 college basketball games, right? It's tough to predict. You're probably going to lose when you're entering against 50 to 100 other people. So when you add more brackets, um, you're actually hurting yourself, in my opinion. Not helping. Wow. No, they, you actually have a good point there. I, what I said about positive expected value earlier, no, it's more negative. I take it back. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the expected value is. At least there's probably no fees. At least there's no fees in ours. You know, every penny we bring in is going back out to the winners, guys. We right. Want to, we want to we want to clarify that. Yep. Well any, said. Any final takes, James, on uh, diversification? Nope, not on diversification. Not on the tournament. I'm excited. You're excited. We're pumped. Uh, go Buckeyes. Go for me. Go Tigers. Go. I love Memphis. Love rooting for the heels. I want them to take down Baylor. I mean, for me, it's I root for all that stuff. It goes up in flames early on. Like, I remember last year, Ohio State losing to Royal Roberts. Just about ruined my tournament, like, very like before it even began almost. It started on Friday last year for whatever reason. But I don't know if you could drum it up any better. There are fans back in the arena this year. It's on St. Patrick's Day that, you know, play tips off. Um, it's going to be awesome. I, I mean, what what about this game you love? People get passionate plan, about it, and for good reason. Any, plan, any plans for St. Patrick's Day? No, haven't thought that far ahead. Um, honestly, I'm only, only thinking about the tournament. Only thinking <laughs> about the games. Uh, you know what? I'm going to have a Reuben. I do like eating a Reuben or a corned beef sandwich and having a Guinness. We've got some in the fridge. Uh, so I'll do that while I'm watching the games and maybe figure out something that night, day of. But um, that's my my setup. What about you? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to get back to Cleveland, but I think I might be stuck in Columbus. Um, nah, stuck, stuck in Columbus, tough. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to Cleveland for the weekend, but I was trying to get back Thursday, but I, it looks like it's going to be Friday still. But uh, yeah, guys, we really appreciate anyone who's listened this far. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the interview with Pat. We hope you enjoy the podcast. 87 episodes, James, where we're working our way towards 100. It's going to take a while, but we'll get there, we promise. Um, and we just, we appreciate any, any and all support from all of you. Uh, and with yep. that, just, just have a great. One James, last thing, James, James, I'm going to butt in. You, you take it away. I've been I've been buttoned in all episode long. I'm not going to stop now. A uh, little one on one one v one bet uh, that we could have on our hands in high school basketball. We've got the final four coming up in the state of Ohio. St. Edward, the Eagles are on one side of the bracket, taking on Pickerington Central. The St. Ignatius Wildcats are back in action, uh, taking on Centerville. Centerville is 26 and 0, um, and the Wildcats are probably a little underdogs there. But that being said, if we get they they play Saturday. Uh, Saturday evening, both teams do. If they both were to win and they play Sunday night, 1v1 bet, Frank, I think we take our respective teams and the other owes the other. A shotgun video makes its way to social media. 
um, you know, all in good fun. Is that is that that's probably not good to do with high school sports. So maybe we uh, change the <laughs> change the there. I don't I don't know. Maybe that that's me spitballing there. That's not great. Well, we we I don't think we've ever talked about on the pod that high school sports or not high school, but sports betting is legalized in Ohio. It's not like I don't think it's the bill passed, but I don't think it's in effect yet. I'm, I could be wrong. That you're right. You are correct. Um, but I don't think high school sports gambling is is going to be allowed. But I think you could technically bet shotguns. I think that's that's fine. Yeah, no, it's not. It's amongst friends. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a gentleman bet. Yeah. Um, I'm in. I'm in. I don't know if, if Ignatius is going to get by Centerville. It sounds like. Oh, okay. Fighting words. On that <laughs> note, uh, best of luck to you and yours in March. Fill out those brackets. Get them in our pool. Have some fun with it. And uh, interact with us along the way on social media. We're coming back. I know we've been dormant for a little while, but the Pay to Play Pod will be fan interactive, and we're gonna we're gonna make it the best March possible. So on that note, Frank, you got something for us. One shining moment up ahead, folks. Take it easy.